Curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're in Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're in Sales podcast. This episode of the So You're in Sales podcast is brought to you by Badger Maps. Do you work in field sales? Then you've experienced what I've experienced, leaving the house, driving around, visiting customers, and popping into potential new accounts without having a real plan of action. It's easy to waste time driving around until I tried Badger. Badger is a route planner for field sales teams, and it can help you sell up to 25% more by optimizing your driving routes and meeting schedule. Cool, right? Badger can knock 20% off the amount of time you spend driving around each day, and that's more time to get deals closed. Badger will also automatically update your customer information in your CRM, so it'll get your sales manager off your back too. Never be late to a sales meeting again, and start your free trial of Badger Maps today by heading to badgermaps.com slash podcast. That's badgermaps.com podcast and start your free trial today. Jason Cutter is a prolific content creator and also the author of a book called Selling with Authentic Persuasion. When Jason and I first discussed the possibility of him coming on to the podcast, I have to admit that I actually told him that I really dislike the word persuasion when it comes to sales, and he and I had a pretty spirited conversation about what that word actually means. And I thought it would be interesting for you to all hear what it is that Jason has done from a podcast guest perspective as a means by which to create some opportunities for himself as a salesperson. I think it's a pretty unique strategy, and Jason has been prolific in the amount of podcasts that he's been on in the last 12 months. And he has a lot to share with respect to what happens when you use that strategy as a means to try to create some opportunities for yourself. I thought it was a really interesting conversation. Give it a listen. We are going to discuss how the sausage actually gets made. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Jason Cutter, thanks for joining me on the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, I am excited for uh, wherever this goes and whatever uh, <laughs> we chat about, how I can, how I can help uh, the audience out there. Well, and... What I love about uh, the opportunity to bring guys like you onto the program has much to do with just the sheer amount of effort you put into creating, distributing, and uh, con- you know offering up for consumption really high value content for the universe when it comes to the discipline of selling, which hence your presence here on the So You're in Sales podcast. You know, we are birds of a feather while uh, we may not agree on all of the nomenclature that we use, right? <laughs> Do you remember? 
Do you remember yep. what I said to you the first time? <laughs> I do. I very vividly. It burns in my head. I'm like, wait, do I like this guy? Oh, yeah, that's right. I do like him. <laughs> I said, I have feelings about this topic. <laughs> feelings in quotes, which is very PC. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> Uh, but what we really arrived at was words aside, it was the idea of being a professional in your craft and studying the discipline of what it means to be really good at being in sales, which Jason and I both recognize and appreciate that even when you're really good, you suck seven out of 10 times. So, you know, trying to make the best of what those three look like is really the word. I think Jason and I share an opinion about studying the ways to try to do that. And then, you know, dude, here's the thing. I mean, as another, from a content creator to another content creator, Bravo, like almost no one I know is as prolific a content creator as you are. Uh, we have a couple in our industry, Kirby Hossaman, shout out guy. It's unbelievable. He's got something, at least something every day, oftentimes multiple things in a day, which is crazy. But I understand just by the nature of me producing this content amongst some other things that I do, I recognize and appreciate the quantity of effort and time that's necessary in order to be able to be that prolific in content creation and distribution. So I wanted to unpack that a little bit. If you would be cool with uh, letting us look behind the kimono here a little bit when it comes to what it means to, to do what it is that you do. Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. Do you organize your guests around topic threads? Do you try to find people that match ongoing threads within your content? Or do you try to take the guest, let the guest take you where their story goes? Like, how do you approach that piece of it? Yeah, so if we're talking about my podcasts, plural, um, yeah. just so people know, so I have technically three podcasts right now. One, I won't categorize, uh, categorize in, in relative to what you're asking about. Uh, I'll explain why in a minute. Um, so I have two, one is the authentic persuasion show, which started life as the sales experience podcast, which sure. started life in April of 2019. So new to consulting started my business at that point, technically no clients. Uh, and I'm like, Hey, I was in the process of writing my book. It was in the editing phase. And I'm like, I just need to start a podcast. And when I did, it was, and it, and for as long as I had that show, it's, it's kind of on hold right now, five days a week, uh, sub 15 minutes episode. The first hundred episodes were me on a solo talking about sales, mostly topics from my books, uh, from my book. And then I got into guests and then I found that I really enjoyed guests and a balance between guests and then my own, because sometimes there's things I just want to talk about. I don't want to monopolize the guest conversations. Um, so for me, what it was, it was really about my network and it was two main strategies. One was looking for guests in my network, people I knew that I just wanted to have cool conversations with. And that in, for that podcast, it was about sales. So who could be valuable to an audience listening to a sales podcast that most likely was also not a fellow sales coach and consultant. I right. did have some people like that early on. And then I realized, uh, I want to bring more than just talking to somebody about the stuff that I enjoy something different, kind of like this, right? Instead of us talking about sales stuff, let's talk about something different that would help the audience. And, um, so marketing people, technology, you know, voice coach, 
different things like that. It was really about what could be valuable and what would be fun and what was I curious about because I always think that makes a really good show. And then the other part was relationship building. Who do I want to have relationships with that could be, uh, in my world, really good partners? So as a consultant, one of the things is I work with companies, but getting access to the decision maker at that company who says, yes, I would like some help is challenging because A, most people don't want to admit they have a problem and B, who are they going to tell that to or share? And then how often does that come up? So what I found is partnerships are much more valuable to me, which is somebody who's selling a CRM system into a call center. They know the people there, that company could say, we're having challenges. We wish our reps could close more deals, enter me, and that's good. So the having guests on the podcast for me was p- partnership related. Like who do I want more relationship with without feeling gross and pushing it, right? Just let it naturally happen. And then also what content can I create that's good for them, good for me, good for the audience, highlights them. Um, keeping in mind, most people aren't on podcasts uh, as much as professional guests, let's say like myself, where it's really exciting to be on a podcast. I mean, I yeah. remember the first some that I was on and it was like, this is amazing. And so I love doing that with people who have never been on a podcast because it's super fun. And then they're excited to share it and it's great. So that's really like my guest kind of focused in strategy. And then a lot of it is just constantly having conversations or looking at other podcasts in the similar space and what kind of guests they have on there and then farming those lists and being like, okay, if you liked being on that podcast, you'll like being on my podcast. Really what I, like when I started the podcast, my goal as a unknown in the consulting space, I mean, I'd worked in companies, but like out on my own, nobody knew who I was because I didn't network while also being in the corporate life, right? Like right. when I, when I got on LinkedIn in the very early days between the early early days. And when I decided to go into consulting, I had gone from 500 contacts on LinkedIn to 600 contacts in like eight years. I never (laughs) used it. I had no, I had no network right now. I have a lot more, which we can talk about that, but like I was nobody. So I created the podcast to put the content out there and then to face that challenge. Like you're talking about my goal was by the time somebody got to me, in a conversation, on a phone call, or on Zoom, there was no longer a question in their mind, because they would have looked it up first, where, what does this guy know about sales, and why should I hire him? Instead, I wanted it always to be, here's my problem, and how much is this going to cost to fix it, and how quickly can you you know, help me with X, Y, and Z? And, and that was kind of my goal. And then it got kicked into gear, which is helpful. I think, you know, for this topic, I had a guest on my podcast early in the days. His name is Rob Howes, H-O-W-Z-E. And I remember this conversation got to the end of the episode. I'm the host, right? And so I'm like, okay, Rob, where can people find you? The classic call to action, share with people so they can follow up with you. And he's like, Google it. I'm the number one Rob Howes on Google, H-O-W-Z-E. Just Google me and you'll find me. And I was like, that was the most amazing answer I'd ever heard for a call to action on any podcast as a listener ever. And then I was like, okay, we ended up, we, you know, we, we, uh, I stopped recording. I'm like, let me check myself. And I was like third or fourth Jason Cutter on Google. And I was like, yeah, we need to fix that. And I think right now I mostly dominate the first four pages of Google for Jason Cutter, just because I'm just like, I'm going to put out and be on every podcast I can so that it's clear, right? There's no mistaking me and the other Jason Cutters out there in the world. 
I am winning you, Google. Don't you even think about it. So don't even mess with me. Depend if you search on your phone, I think I'm the first four pages. Something like that. But it and it's not even like that was my goal to drive traffic and business. It's between finding out about me and chatting with me, somebody Googles me and goes, okay. I mean, last year alone, 2020, I was on 75 podcasts as a guest. Wow. And so it's like, okay, like uh, obviously I'm, I'm out there. And so, you know, how can I help you? Yeah. Well, okay. So this is, this is, thank you for, for so graciously teeing yourself up for the next question. So is this, Maybe not to the degree that you're doing it, but is what we're talking about today, table stakes for salespeople, is this a requirement? I think so. I mean, I think the biggest thing that everyone needs to now be aware of and assume always happens, no matter what you're selling, especially if you're in a B2B where it's like it's, it's somebody set an appointment with you or you're doing outreach on your behalf and a company's behalf versus in a call center on a dialer and they don't know who you are until they start talking to you. But you have to assume people are going to research and look it up. In fact, I will say like for myself, when I get a phone call and I don't answer phone calls, we can have that conversation as well, even as a call center guy, <laughs> I don't answer it. The first thing I do is I go on Google and I research the number to see who it was Maybe even before they left me a voicemail, because I'm just curious who the heck is calling me. And so as a salesperson, as a sales professional, you have to assume people are doing research on your company, on your product or service, and on you, because all those are going to come up in the search and they're going to go, okay, let's check out John, you know, John's LinkedIn page. Oh, here's John on Facebook. Let's check out John's Facebook page. Let's see all these things, right? Like all these things like early internet recruiting things that got people in trouble. Like I remember interviewing someone and not hiring them when we found their Facebook page and they had a, I won't go into detail, but they had like, it was a costume party and they were trying to be um, some gangster movie costume party. And I was like, this is not what we want in the company or our clients to find. So yeah. no. Um, and I, and I think that's the key. I think you have to have a good professional presence. It doesn't take a ton of time, but it takes some effort for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, and what we try to preach in our consulting work, when we're trying to help set up, set up sales plans, we have to take, sometimes we have to take our sales leaders or uh, within the organization on somewhat of a journey to recognize the entirety of what should be considered sales activity these days. Sometimes that is a painful and difficult discussion to have with people who have historically relied on a very metric-driven sales performance approach yep. based on churn. Like I, this, is where, this is where I grew up. These are the approaches we used to use. It was why I had 13 people sit in the desk next to me in a 12-month period one year, right? I, I'm aware of the grinder that that is. Yeah where you and I and many like us would want to argue and not back down from a podcast with 200 listens is an enormously valuable piece of content that happens every two weeks. Because if you're getting 200 people in a room and they're all listening to just you or you and one other person, how valuable of, of, is that in real sales time? Yeah. I mean, that's enormous. So to not allow your people the opportunity to use the shared resources of a marketing budget, I hope, 
to allow the people within your organization responsible for carrying your brand message to the street a chance to do some of that from creative content perspective. If you, I just, if I think if you're not, if somebody in the organization isn't doing it, you're going to lose to somebody who is. Yeah. And, and I think too, like when I, when I think of that, uh, cause I completely agree with you that it needs to be done, especially in this market and where the value is it's, it's, it's semi intangible because unless you have the perfect message with the perfect podcast, you know, sticking on podcasts to the perfect audience where the right person is listening and literally has that issue and they're going to bite on your call to action. It's generally not so, you know, like, uh, um, attributable to, I got this lead because they heard me on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's, I, and I've talked to a lot of people who guest on a lot of shows and they're like, yeah, I don't, I, sometimes I get things. Sometimes I don't. It's totally random. Someone could listen to a podcast in a year and a half from now and then be like, okay, now they reach out. So it's, it's partially for that, but I think doing it for like attributable reasons is a dangerous game because you're going to fall short when marketing's like, Hey, what are the results getting for us? Or in sales is getting that. I think more of it is, what does that do for you on a search feature? Like I said, right? Like I would happily get on 10 podcasts a year with 200 downloads a year. If it goes into my SEO or in my Google or on my LinkedIn and people are searching before calling me or returning my call and it just validates me, right? They don't know how many listens it has. Um, And then how much can you repurpose it? That's Mm -hmm. also the other part. How much can you take and make clips, send that to your newsletter and just provide value um, beyond just the straight up listens? I mean, I'm, I'm happy to go on shows where it's their first episode. I love being a guest on a a podcast. That's it's their first episode because everyone remembers their first guest. (laughs) And um, it's just like, it's just fun. And when I look through podcasts, I always go back to the first episode. I'm like, where did they start? Where are they at now? And I just think that's fun. And again, I'm not doing it for, you know, a thousand leads a month coming in through call to action. I'm doing it for branding awareness. You hear me on enough podcasts and at some point, right, it's like billboards. One billboard might not be the one that makes you call somebody, but you see it billboards, TV ads, radio, digital things following you everywhere. Put it under the category of marketing. Like that's what I do. A lot of people say, how do you have time to do so many podcasts? How many, how do you have time to do so much? Like not, not just the content creation, but like the podcast itself, guesting or hosting. I'm like, that's marketing. That's my marketing budget, right? Mentally, time-wise, whatnot, because that's the content I'm doing, right? Not cold calling people to convince them they have a problem, but doing it under this. Uh, And then again, how do you maximize it? Right. How do you, as Gary V would see, say, how do you take something and just repurpose it, use it, slice it up, put it everywhere? I mean, he, he tells people, how, you know, you should be making 64 pieces of content a day across all social media platforms. Um, but how do you do that? How do you take one podcast conversation, slice it up, make a bunch of different things? Uh, and the, the, it's a, it takes a long time to build the machine to do that. But you just take it bit by bit, use every bit that you can. Uh, I've definitely failed a lot. Uh, I have a lot of content that has never seen the light of day. Uh, that drives me crazy uh, because, yeah. of, because of my inability or uh, a laziness or lack of skill, um, for sure. I, I liken it to almost like you're in the lab 
and there's Bunsen burners and like this thing's kind of boiling a little bit over here. And, you know, we're the scientists and we're trying to manage all of these experiments because that's what really drives our curiosity is let's try some things and see what happens. And when they work, you do them for four plus years. Like I'm have arrived at this stage of having done a show that, you know, what most people tell you is after 18 months of anything, you should rethink it. And while the way we do the show has evolved over the years, what it's about is the same as it was the day I started. It was, what am I curious about when it comes to being the very best at being in sales? That's, and that's not just skill development. That's, are you going bananas? Are you depressed? Are you drinking too much? Are you, you know, are you, are you not in alignment with your values with what you do? Because that's a problem for a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. so it's been really fascinating to watch during the pandemic. What's happened to my listenership is been pretty substantial from the way their careers have all been impacted. And so it's been really interesting to watch as careers are being reimagined. So I was going to say, so now you've been on a bajillion shows (laughs) during this stretch of the last 18 months. How has what being on the shows, how is it different? And what, what about COVID is really like feeding into how that may or may not be changing? You know, it's my answer is going to be a little bit different than maybe expected. I didn't, try to be on podcasts pre-pandemic right so if we look at 2019 i that wasn't really a thought i I don't even remember the first podcast i i showed up i was on but it wasn't it wasn't a strategy it wasn't an idea let me get on podcasts um it wasn't until i was in the evolution and editing process of my book which came out in august of last year right yours came out in september mine came out in august so it's similar timelines in our in our process together um but it was in that where I'm like, okay, one good strategy is to get on podcast. Let me talk right. about it. Let me just let me just talk about business and let me just talk about sales. And so it really started mostly last year, which is obviously then the pandemic happened uh, yeah. and and made it so that people were, were at home, which for me was fine because I was already doing some stuff virtual. Uh, what it did was it really made me step up my game with my video setup, uh, my audio setup, my background. Right. You know, it, it, that was a catalyst. It sucked beforehand and I was working on it before the pandemic hit. And then I just, you know, kept evolving it. Uh, but really, I think it's about people just wanting content. And then if you have something that's also topical and relevant, right? Like my book is called Selling with Authentic Persuasion. When the pandemic hit, the biggest thing, if you look through LinkedIn, advice to sell, salespeople and sellers was now's the time for empathy, right? Like it's all about empathy and use empathy and, and, you know, and just build relationships. And I was looking through that feed and going, wait, that's what it always should have been. (laughs) What the hell have you been doing to people? Like you're why sales has a bad connotation in the world because you're now realizing that maybe you should care about people and use empathy and build relationships. Like what the, so, but you know, having a topic that resonates no matter what is helpful. Um, and then, you know, the part that was really helpful for me was not traveling to clients' offices, not traveling to conferences. So literally I could do two, three, four guest appearances a day, 
right? Like depending on the schedule, you're just here. I'm here all the time. Right. The end result of personal brand building within the context of your B2B sales is authority. And if you've done it and you've done it well, the content speaks for itself. And whether it's always edited perfectly or sounds awesome every single time, you know, probably not, but largely the audience stays. And that is incredibly valuable as a salesperson to know that you have a community of people who are listening to what it is you have to say. And then secondarily for me, and I know you do this too, I used, I use my interviews as ways to move people down funnel. Yeah. Like, Hey, uh, Jason, this reminds me of a conversation I happened to have with, um, Anthony Anarino. And it's really like, there's a really piece of this. I really want you to listen to, would you be cool after we're done? If I sent you a link to that pre- and like, can I follow up with you later to see what your thoughts were on that? Like, think about that as opposed to like, what's the most next appropriate step for me to move you to the next exactly. stage of the sales process? Like, right. Which would you prefer as the prospect? I mean, that's the way I look at it is how, you know, how would I want that engagement to go if it were me on the other side? And to know that like, Hey, this guy's the real deal because I prove it in person, but then I have all of the game to back it up behind me when the person is going to do invariably what you said, which is go try to poke around and find out whether or not what they got from you was real or if it was manufactured. I hold a very small flashlight to your beacon when it comes to just the sheer quantity of it. But I, you know, and if the audience doesn't get it by now, I don't know what else we can possibly tell them. Given what the so sheer quantity of conversations you're having with people out there today, yeah. where, for my guests, as salespeople, as opportunists, as people who look for ways to, to take advantage of when things are changing, what are you hearing that it seems like, wow, everyone's attention seems to be on? I think one of the biggest things, as I'll say, is people's attention is not on webinars, Right. Mm-hmm. So let, me, let me go at this with what's coming to mind. Um, you know, the standard is let's just do webinars and people don't want to do webinars. <laughs> um, people don't want to attend it. There's webinar fatigue. I know early pandemic. I remember one day in particular, I was hosting one webinar and had uh, um, uh, signed up for four other webinars to attend in one day. And I was no. like, wait, I got to get work done. And I had zero attendees for mine, like registered. Cause it was just like overwhelming. I was like, let me, I need to do webinars. And I realized, wait, nobody, they, people have to work and they're busy or they're at home. Um, so I think other strategies, I'll tell you one thing that I have been doing that a friend of mine told me last year that he did. And then I've done several of them last year or this year, um, is actually paid workshops. So it's interesting thing, depending on what you have for your network is instead of a free webinar with a bunch of slides for 30 minutes is a two hour paid workshop mastermind session, no slides, talking about a solution, bringing in an expert. So a lot of times I'm the expert. So I'll work with vendor partners. Like let's say somebody who sells a CRM platform and then literally it's like, okay, how do you help your, you know, it's for VPs of sales in winning in the hybrid call center environment, right? And then it's two hours of ideas and going back and forth, no slides, slides are gross. Uh, And so, you know, that kind of thing. And it's fun because it's not about the money. It's about 
skin in the game so people want to show up and then they have a high expectation of value then you deliver it and if you're partnered with someone who you know is is good alignment with what you do it could be amazing for building your network making new connections getting your foot in the door some places so that one's really fun you don't ever hear about that i share that uh with some of my partners and they're like yeah let's do that you know oh, yeah. 49.99 price range just enough this is enough to get somebody to like actually show up and i have 100 yeah, yeah. attendance for those people actually show up yeah. um yeah. which compared to a webinar right where you have 100 people register three show up and it's probably you know one of them might be your your mom and then like you know who else is there uh maybe that's just me i don't know or nobody um, nobody comes on screen like you're yeah. just talking to bl- blackness like please yeah someone. you're just like a one-way just like vomiting no. some stuff Hello? And <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't. It, that's the people don't want that anymore. People want more engagement, more personalized uh, uh, content. I think that's important. I think one of the best things you can do is, you know, podcasts are good. Obviously, we're talking about podcasts on a podcast show about you know sales. Um, I think the more you can do live stuff, the the more you can just be a thought expert. And no matter what, like I'm thinking of all levels of salespeople, all level of experience, like what can you do to produce some content? I think you also fundamentally, it's always the same. Where are your people spending the most time? Again, going back to my story about when I started consulting, I had 600 contacts over eight years. I grew from 500 to 600 contacts, right? I was running call centers, I did not have time or the desire to be on LinkedIn every day or ever. Right. It was like once a year I would log in and be like, this is gross and then log out, right? right. That was it because I was busy in the job. Yeah. So I think what you really have to do is understand who are you talking to? Where do they hang out? Because as a consultant, here's what's interesting is I'm like, I would get referrals and I would you know, have clients hire me and then, or companies hire me. And then I'm like, okay, but I look at their LinkedIn and they have three contacts or connections. I'm like, they're not on LinkedIn. And then while I'm hanging out with them, I see them scrolling through Facebook while they're in between calls or while they're trying to decompress. I'm like, oh, they're all on Facebook or Instagram, right? You mean it can't be creepy business-wise, but like, where can you get their attention? Where are they hanging out? Yeah. And how can you find them? And then start the conversation. And here's the key. You said it about authenticity and like, you know, what people are looking for and they want to know if they can trust you is putting stuff out there that doesn't feel salesy. Don't be that person who's like, hi, I'm Jason. Here's what I sell. Would you be interested in this? Like we get those. It's so gross. Where you do it is in my opinion, not as important. If you know where your people hang out that you want to talk to and you don't do the normal thing and just act like a human that you would want to interact with yourself. And I promise that will work if you play the long game. You will be most of the way down the field against the competition. That much is for sure. And it's the uh, my good friend Kirby, again, Mr. Prolific Content Creator that he is. He says all the time, the biggest gap is the distance between I know and I do. And knowing that, you know, it's one thing to say, this is what I really should be doing. It's something completely different to scheduling it into blocks of time in your day and week and month and year to make sure that, the sausage as we called it is getting made so yeah. jason where where can people find you next what what like if someone wants to start <laughs> checking you out where do you want them to go not to well, be I feel like i already drunk. answered that in the beginning when we talked about uh this this uh this factory um <laughs> best thing and what i've done to make it simple because i have so many things going on and i end up with all these call to actions and i felt like i was all over the place so jasoncutter.com i turn yeah. that domain into my my hub like a link tree of everything i have going on books podcasts coaching program for salespeople, uh program for 
sales executives, like it's all there. Um, and then if anyone has questions, they want ideas, they want thoughts, email me, Jason at CutterConsultingGroup.com. The biggest thing for this conversation, I would say, is just take it one step at a time. Set a nice goal. Like I'm going to post three times a week. I'm at zero. Don't try to go from zero to twice a day. You will fail. It's like trying to go to the gym. Be like, I'm going to go to the gym seven days a week, twice a day, and I'm eat, eat perfect and never eat another carb. You, right. you will fail by like the third fail. day. So just start small and build up, which again, you look at what I have and what you have out there, it looks like this is crazy. But if you look at me years ago or even months ago, like, you know, it's, it's not the same. Thank you again. And so concludes what is the audio portion of the show. I love talking to you. I, you know, home and home, anytime you want, you just <laughs> give your boy a holler and I'll, I'll bring the goods and life will be grand. I appreciate you, Jason. Sounds good. Thanks, Roger. Take care, man. Well, there you have it. I can't even imagine the amount of work that's necessary to be able to be a guest on 75 individual podcasts in the course of a 12-month period. That's just bananas. But as you can tell from Jason's interview, his perspective on selling is pretty tight. And he's got a very specific idea about what makes for a successful salesperson in the marketplace today. And I found it to be really, really interesting. You know, it's not for everyone. And the idea of trying to use podcast guest spots as a way to build credibility in and of itself requires some additional effort to be able to refer back to the content that's been created in a way that wouldn't bore people or make it seem like you're listening to the same thing over and over again. But yet, I think that strategy is a wise one. And for those of you who enjoy being the subject of an interview, it might be a great way for you to be able to build your own credibility in the marketplace that you're trying to establish your expertise in as well. So maybe give that a thought as you're coming into 2022. Try to find places where you feel like podcasts are uh, directed at your community of people that you would want to serve and try to get yourself on at least one of those as a way to break the ice. It gets a lot easier once you've done it. And I think that you might find some value in doing that yourself. If you find this to be a valuable conversation, please share it around. As we continue to grow our subscriber base, it gives us an opportunity to bring even more talented and smart guests onto the program like Jason. Until next time, this is Roger signing out.